All right, people, we are live on YouTube and Twitch right now. We did a little bit of something different this week, a little bit of a special bonus episode. I am Dom the Movie Nerd. I am joined once again by Brandon, the Brando Critic. Brandon, welcome back to the channel. Happy to have you back. Thank you so much, man. I'm happy to be talking about some Star Wars, my favorite film franchise, period. So this awesome. is my this is my happy place. Guys, it's going to be a little bit more of a loose, a little bit more of a freeform episode. I haven't had one of these in a while, and I'm looking forward to it. You know, we got we have the big celebrity guest this time, so we're actually going to get to switch it up this time. You know, give it a little casual. So hope you guys are in for more of a comfy episode. All of that and more on tonight's episode of the Talking TV Podcast. Oh, man, it's good to be back in the live format podcast. It's mm -hmm. been so long since we've had one of these. I, I, I have so many fond memories of back in the pandemic in 2020 when we were doing so many of these. We were doing, what, like at least three or four of these a week, something like that? It was yeah, what else were you going to do? I mean, yeah. there's a lot of people online, so the audience was a lot bigger. And, yeah, that, that's what you did back then. It was, uh, it was an interesting time for sure. Well, I mean, at that point, too, it was also like that was like kind of our only way of communicating with people. Like we met so many people through that. We met people like mm -hmm. you, Elliot of Movie Files, Joe of Guy at the Movies, David of Flix Talk, you know, Luke Reviews, so many, Matt, mm -hmm. Basic Entertainment, so many people that we actively have on our channel now and that people that I'm going to have be having back on the channel now that kind of really shifted a new a new direction uh, for our show to go. People, if you're new to this channel, welcome. Thank you for joining. This is the Talking TV Podcast. I am Dom the Movie Nerd. If you didn't catch it in the opening crawl, I know the longtime listeners of this podcast, they're going to know this entire spiel. But like I said, this is more of a casual, more of a friendly episode tonight. I have Brando on. We're going to talk about some things that have been happening recently in his life, some things that have been happening in my life. We're going to talk about some recent movie news that has happened. And like I said, it's just more of a casual, fun episode. We're not necessarily talking about a movie per se, but I just, you know, we haven't had one of these like kind of just relax and talking about the things that we really enjoy in a minute you know mm -hmm. so that's kind of what we're gonna do here so brandon first and foremost how have you been man what have you been up to recently well uh today and over the last couple of days i've been trying to get over some jet lag uh and just trying to get back into the swing of things because i was actually in orlando florida last week with my girlfriend we went to disney world for the entire week and that is not necessarily a relaxing vacation like going to an all-inclusive resort in mexico where you just lay on the beach and you don't do anything this is a trip where we had everything planned out from beginning of the middle, beginning, middle and end of the day, wake up at dawn, go until the end of the park day, go, 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 go. It was exhausting. So now it's like, you ever hear the term that you need a vacation from your vacation? Yep. Yeah. I, I had one day um, in between getting back home and going to work the next day, but I filled it up with doing things for the channel because I hadn't done anything for the channel in about a week. So I'm just trying to get into the swing of things, but uh, still in the post Disney, uh, post Disney World type of era. It's a Disney filled conversation. It, it just it seeps its way into every one mm. of our conversations, whether it's casual or not. Yeah, no, I, I I'll do one thing worse than you. I'll just bring my laptop on vacation with me and just do podcast stuff on my laptop, just like <laughs> on my casual time. Like it's yeah. funny. I'm for spring break. I I actually went to Florida myself. I went to see my grandma 
uh, for the week in Florida because I hadn't seen her in a bit. And that entire week, I was just editing one of our Harry Potter first time watches. I was like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm gonna have a lot of downtime. You know, I can't be watching movies consistently. And the crazy part is I didn't even watch as many movies as I thought. I mostly just, strangely enough, ended up watching Breaking Bad with my grandma. Like, because I hadn't watched it in a while and I wanted to reshow it to her. And surprisingly enough, she loved it. That's like one of the funniest tidbits that's happened recently in my life. I'm like, I showed my grandma Breaking Bad and she loved every minute of it of the four episodes that I showed to her. Truly the mark that Breaking Bad is one of the greatest shows ever made. I know so we lost like a couple viewers there, but I just thought that was a really ah, funny good. interlude. That's so good. But yeah, so you were in Disney. I went to, so fun fact, actually when I was down in Florida, I went to um, the park. I saw a couple of pictures that you posted on Instagram. I went to the Disney Springs. I'd never been there before. And right. uh, what, what was your experience like there? Disney Springs? Um, yeah. Well, I was, normally I'd only been to Disney Springs at night. So this was the first time uh, going during the day. And we had just gotten off a red-eye flight and our room wasn't ready yet. So we went to Disney Springs. So we were going off of like no sleep. We were tired. We were cranky. Um, we didn't bring any sunscreen with us because we were just going to oh, buy no. it in the hotel. Because, you know, going on the flight, you couldn't bring any aerosol cans, right? Yep. And just a little tiny thing of sunscreen, that's not going to really bring you or not really going to take you anywhere when you that's get That's not getting Florida. you through a day, let alone a week there. So we're like, let's just buy it there. But it's nowhere to be found. So we're walking around in the scorching hot sun looking for sunscreen and we can't find it until the very end. And so now we're all burnt. And, you know, we one thing, though, we've been to Disneyland many, many, many times. And I've only been to Disney World three times. Disney World goes farther, goes way more out there with the food. And Disneyland, I find, has much better merchandise. I find Interesting. that, at least with the 50th anniversary of Disney World, you have a couple of like 50th anniversary items that they just shove into every single store. So the quantity of it is everywhere, but the I'd say the variety of it is very, very lacking. Yeah. So we're, we're wanting like Star Wars merch. And there's not much of it. There isn't much Star Wars merch that we found to be very appealing. There was this one weird kind of shirt that was like teal and it said like rebel on it. And that was everywhere. And then like this shirt sucks, but they're still trying to force it. And they're trying to do the whole couples dual shirts where it's like, I love you. I know. How crazy is it that Disney has kind of evolved from like this thing that used to be like where parents took their kids. And now it's literally just kind of become a, a couple's retreat. It's strange. Like, how did that happen? Like that just shows uh, the effect of Disney on the culture. Well, I think just people are, are especially the millennial and Gen Z generation. It's, we don't yeah. like to grow up. We love this That's unnatural sure. love for our childhood. So the people now growing up into their late twenties into their thirties, you know, they grew up with the nineties Disney films and they never really got out of it. No. Nope. Whereas the generation before it was just like, okay, let's take our kids to Disney world. Those kids oh, if they are only still knew. the Disney kids. Oh, I mean, oh, if they yeah. only knew, if they only knew what they were getting themselves into. We have a mm. commenter right now, Jason Card, the movie nerd, and Brandon. I don't hey, know Jason. if that's I figured that was somebody that you knew. I was no, about definitely. to say I'm like, trust me, if it was somebody that I knew, like I would know. Like, cause I can always tell when it's Luke's comments, even if he uses a fake name, which I'm very, very <laughs> much an admirer of. Yeah, no, I the thing I've never actually been to Disneyland. So always hearing about like the differences between the two parks are always interesting to me. I think the last time that I really partook in the rides is like the last time that I I think the first, like, right when Harry Potter World opened at Universal Studios, I think was, like, the last time that I went there. And I just, like, that ride was just insane. But, yeah, I got to admit, so I, I went down to Disney Springs when I was down there over spring break to see a friend of mine who I hadn't seen in a minute who actually works there. 
And um, also, weird weird coincidence, but I think you may have actually been down there at the same time as my brother. I, I got to figure out because I know he was in Disney Springs recently, so I, I just thought that that was a weird tidbit also. But and uh, what's it called? And so I was really kind of blown away by the park. But the one that – and by the section in general, I'm like, wow, this is, like, actually kind of really cool how they've reformatted this one section of Disney to be almost like a couple's retreat. But I was, like, going into the gift shop to try and find something for my niece and nephew, and I was looking around, and I'm like – Wow, they, the surprising lack of variety in the amount of merchandise. I'm like, I could get all of this at the Disney at like my local like. Well, I say my local Disney store, but like the Disney store that was in Danbury, Connecticut, half away. I'm like, where is the specialty? Where is the magic here? You know, like what's going on here? And I just find that really fascinating because obviously, in a conversation, obviously it is geared towards Disney. And considering the fact that we talk about Disney so much, it's literally gotten to the point where we can just we we're barely able to have a movie conversation with that Disney seeping in some way. And it's just that was kind of the first moment where I finally like it finally hit me where it's like, wow, okay, like kind of the former magic that we used to associate with Disney has really given way to commercialism in a way that I just, I wasn't expecting like at all. Like, I don't know. Do you, do you feel that to some extent? I mean, they're still making good stuff for sure. Like for like a lot of the stuff that they put out recently, I have liked, but like, I don't know. It just feels like a lot more of that is just becoming like fewer and far between. And a lot of it is just feeling more commercial than ever, you know? Well, I mean, yeah, I, I could definitely sense that because I think the biggest difference between Disneyland and Disney world is definitely the scope. Um, but it's, it's not so much the fact that it's just bigger in terms of land area, which it definitely is with Disneyland. You have the two parks, you have your Disney, the downtown district with all the shopping, and then you're staying at a best Western or a Howard Johnson just down the road. So you can kind of escape the Disney lifestyle and you can kind of get back into the real world at the end of the day. It's something that you just go into, you know, during the day. And then of course you go back and you sleep and you go back the next day with Disney world though like let's be honest if you're coming from out of town which most people are yeah. you're staying in disney world because disney world has all these different hotels so the roads that you're driving on the buses that you're on all of the food every single ounce of shopping every single breath of air that you take is manufactured by disney all of it the rooms that you're staying in have disney characters on the walls you have disney bed sheets you have Disney labels on the shampoo and the conditioner and the body wash in your bathroom. It is Disney everywhere. And sometimes, well, with some people, it's totally fine. They're big Disney freaks and it's no problem at all. Whereas I went to Disneyland one day with um, my uncle and aunt and we were just in LA and we went to Disneyland for the day. And my uncle is not a Disney guy. So we're walking around Radiator Springs and he's like, oh man, it just feels so plastic. And I get his point even though I'm a big Disney guy and I love going on all the rides, I love the theming of it. I think that the theming of it is an art form. And of course, every time you go, you got to load up on merchandise, even though it's overpriced. It's just something that you got to do. A lot of the Disney stores around here were just closed down during the pandemic. And I think it was recently that, yeah, Disney just closed down like half of their just individual Disney stores and wanted to focus more on the parks. And it's like, well, in Disneyland, you can find merchandise for the newer movies so of course there's a lot of turning red merchandise mm. and there's a lot of merchandise for encanto um but then you get of course your your 90s legacy stuff like you can get things for hercules and um goofy movie seems to be one that's starting to pop up a lot now i'm seeing a lot of goofy movie shirts but of course you got your classics you got the mickey ears you got your snow white and seven dwarves your cinderellas but in disney world i do find that it's this is the stuff that we want you to buy and it's very very minimal but 
you anywhere you go, that is what you're supposed to be buying. So definitely with the success of Disney since the 90s with the Disney Renaissance, um, and you can kind of sense that in the filming of it, it definitely starts to feel a bit more commercialized where you have pop singer, pop singers singing the songs for the movies. Um, you know, there's sequels now to famous Disney movies, all the straight to DVD stuff. Pixar now has a bunch of sequels. They're buying all these things like Marvel and Star Wars. So Disney has definitely felt a lot more commercialized and with the pandemic, they're trying to recoup costs. So no complimentary uh, shuttle service to the airport. Um, You have to buy fast passes now that costs extra money Um, with food. Of course, there's no more meal plans. You got to buy everything, everything on your own. Um, Yeah. So Disney definitely does have a bit more of a commercial aura around it. Yeah. And some people don't like it. And some people are just Disney fans through and through and they don't really mind it too much. I see both sides. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, Jason, last time you went to Disney's 11 years ago, places definitely changed since then. Yeah, like I said, it's, I mean, the biggest thing for me, I didn't even really go into the parks. I really had no desire to go into the parks. I figured there was going to be nothing there. And quite frankly, I didn't have the money to spend. But yeah, it, it definitely like has its different feel. And I guess like kind of in the age where obviously we're in the age of streaming, right? That, you know, Disney Plus is arguably just as big of a source of revenue for them now as their parks is, you know, like it's so funny where I, I think I heard like a, I read like a tweet somewhere or something about the most recent Doctor Strange movie and about how it's like, yeah, the, that was actually like, so you know how obviously, you know, you know how for the longest time like people about the MCU have been complaining that like oh the fact that every movie builds into one it's like oh no one's gonna want to watch like as the movies continue to build up like 10 11 movies in order to keep up and figure out what's going on and say something like infinity war and endgame and now that they've got the tie-ins from the tv shows now we're a year and a half in and we've already got what six of them uh if we if we count what if it's ridiculous like the amount of just marvel content in general like that was always going to affect the quality itself but now what's fascinating is it's like i i see now it's like people would be like oh now the movies are just like big commercials for the tv shows and like to some extent i can understand where people are coming from i don't believe that just because like for lack of a better word the movies are what i wish the tv show were if that makes any sense like for lack of a better word but hear me out here Every movie that we've gotten so far, I wish was a TV show. And every TV show that we've gotten so far, I wish was a movie. Does that make sense? Just about Marvel in order to segue into that. Because like we're a year and a half in to everything post-Infinity Saga, post the pandemic now. And I can safely say, I would have rather had Moon Knight, Loki, Falcon and Winter Soldier, to an extent WandaVision. I know there were parts of that that needed to be about television as movies. And I would have much rather had, like, the new Doctor Strange as a series. I think Shang-Chi would work way better if it was a series. Eternals, I've gone on record to say that that movie failed largely because it was a movie. Obviously, for me, the only movie that's primarily worked that they put out has been Spider-Man, you know? And Black Widow Widow feels like a, strangely enough, like a pre-pandemic kind of a movie, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I... I, I'm not too sure about the whole, like movies and tv shows comparison but i i've talked about this before and i thought of this analogy where when you're building up to end game it feels like you're going through high school and you're building up to graduation and right. end game is graduation like like those it's- moments feel like seminal moments in yeah. people like i've officially talked about like each one of the avengers movies came out when i was like at a critical point in my life like the first avengers that was freshman year of, of high school second avengers was senior year of high school mm-hmm. 
Civil War was freshman year of college, and then Infinity War and Endgame both marked junior and senior year of college for me, you know? So it's like each one of those movies happened at, like, a pivotal moment in your life. So right. it, it's strange because people have talked about, like, the lack of change over the MCU. But if anything, it's almost kind of weird because in this strange way, like how the Harry Potter movies work, you kind of grew and changed with those movies. And that's kind of like what the novelty of them was almost, if that makes any sense. Sure. I, I think that's just a coincidence in terms of just our age, because of for course, sure. Right. That's the thing that's only going to be exclusive for Gen Zers. But like, I mean, look at who the primary demographic for this stuff is. It's, yeah. I feel like it's primarily millennials and Gen Zers. Yeah. But what I, what I mean is that it seems like everything was leading up to end game. That right. was the ultimate goal. Right. And it's appropriately titled too. like, that is, the finale of the story right and now everything else just seems like hey remember back in high school it's just yeah. a long it's very the much glory like days is trying to relive the glory days no 100 i absolutely can see what you're getting at because at the end of the day like the what was so cool about the infinity saga was that it was ultimately like a series of different franchises like if we could if i could think of like an, a, the best sort of analogy for like back in the day it would be like if they'd made the expendables in the 80s when it should have come out it would have been like if they had arnold sly and bruce willis they're doing all their other individual franchises no crossover and then all of a sudden you smash the three of them together throwing a bunch of the other guys and that's essentially what that that to me is ultimately the ultimate missed opportunity of the expendables is that it happened 30 years too late like if they had done that mm -hmm. shit in like the 90s when it should have been done oh my god and like when you when you were catching like some of the younger guys like when they were like if you caught Statham when he was just coming up if you could caught wesley snipes like just when he was coming up like those movies would have been my, those movies would have been the Avengers of their time, you know, and then you just start slowly pulling in the other movie stars, but the 80s never quite figured it out, you know, Kevin Feige, he was the one, he saw it, man, he saw it and he put it all together and it all worked, and then he did the impossible where he pulled all of these different, because the Infinity War and Endgame were building off what, like what, six, yeah, roughly five, six different movie series, because you had Iron Man 4 and Captain America and technically Guardians of the Galaxy as well, Ant-Man as a side bonus, that's five right there, then you introduce the three to four new ones that they introduced just within phase three being Doctor Strange, Spider-Man, Black Panther, and Captain Marvel. You know, I know Captain Marvel's after Infinity War, but that's what? Eight different franchises right there? Eight different characters that you then have to smash together for these movies? Like, that's crazy. That's ultimately nuts. So that, to me, is ultimately, like, what the novelty there is. But you're right. It's like every – and part of, like, the highly commercialized aspect. It's like, even though they claim – to be, even though they claim to be building up to something similar to the way that everything in the Infinity Saga built up to Infinity War and Endgame, the novelty is ultimately lost. And that is what they are trying to, and so far failing to reclaim, at least in my mind. I don't know. What, what's really your take on that? I, I mean, it's just, I, I've said it before. It's when we had all these Marvel movies and leading up to something, I was excited for it because it was right. like, okay, we know that this is the peak of the mountain. We're on this journey to get there. And now afterwards, it's like, okay, you've climbed the mountain that you've told the end of the story. Yeah. And now you're telling me that I have to climb another mountain. And I don't yeah. know where the peak is. It also right? doesn't so, help that we're oversaturated with it as well. Like, I, it, It's so yes. funny because obviously we're, we're going to bring this conversation around to Star Wars, but I think one of the funniest and most ironic things about it is that everyone has been talking about superhero fatigue forever. And everyone said, no, it's not a thing. You know, you're only saying that because you don't like how many superhero movies we're getting. And to some extent, that was true. But it, it definitely did seem that we were getting predominantly superhero movies. And then, meanwhile, everyone was talking about Star Wars fatigue because we were getting one Star Wars movie a year as opposed to one Star Wars movie every three years, like how George Lucas did it when it was originally just a trilogy of movies. But by then, it was becoming a franchise. And now, we're ultimately at a point where 
We're getting Star Wars every couple of months, or rather once a year, really, at best. And if anything, it's kind of almost restored the novelty, even though it's in much more of this episodic format as opposed to being a trilogy of movies, whereas Marvel has become completely oversaturated, where we used to get, like, three Marvel movies a year, but the build to it was all there, and one Star Wars movie a year, but it felt, like, completely nauseating. Now, we just came off a year where we had nine Marvel properties in one year, four movies and four, what? Four movies and, wait. Yeah, four movies and five TV shows, all within the calendar year of 2021. And we had, what, like, two Star Wars things? So I, I think it's super ironic how things have shifted kind of in this and how the streaming landscape has ultimately affected both of them, especially considering that prior to the pandemic and prior to really the streaming landscape taking off, the minds, the mind spaces were totally opposite. Now, I still think that Star Wars has a long way to go, quality-wise, especially after that. I, I, I can't think of a colorful metaphor to describe it, but the stinker of Boba Fett uh, recently, this past year, you know, which sucked because Bad Batch was really, really awesome, and that's the one that everybody seems to have overlooked. You know, I'm like, I, it sucks. I'm like, wow, Marvel is so powerful and still conscious in the culture that even their animated, sh their animated goofball show, where they literally just goof off every episode, gets more attention than the Star Wars animated show that is canon and actually important and factors into the overall story of Star Wars. I, I just found it really funny. Did you watch Bad Batch when it came out? No, I, I haven't even finished Clone Wars, to be okay. honest. You got ways it, to go, but trust me, yeah. savor every bit of the journey is what I will say. Savor yeah. every bit of that journey. It is every, every morsel is just much more that much more juicy and delicious. I've used this analogy before for the MCU and people ask me, they go, well, how how are you not excited? You're a movie fan. Uh, okay, so Dom, do you like ice cream? I do like ice cream. Okay, do you like eating ice cream? I do like eating ice cream. And I, I know this metaphor, you've used it before, but I, I yeah. see where you're going, so stick with yeah. it. Yeah, so it's like, okay, I like eating ice cream too. I would, and if someone said, all right, here on Monday, here's some ice cream. That's great. Tuesday, here's some ice cream. Oh, that's wonderful. If you eat every single day for an entire year, you eat ice cream. And then January 1st rolls around and they go, hey, guess what you're eating today? Ice cream. You're like, you're not going to be excited me. anymore. You're like, kill me just, now, please. It's just so much, so much, so much. And I'm, I think the, the amount of calories yeah. is slowly eating me out from the inside. Exactly. And especially when you have uh, movies that don't necessarily feel different from one another, they feel very cookie cutter. And I'm not saying that they're bad, but I, I'm saying that they do feel very similar to one another, especially with the amount that we're getting the amount of variety and the amount of style that differentiates them from one another is not very drastic. So you have a lot of very similar content constantly being pumped out. Whereas someone like me, I'm going, it's getting too much. I want to have something different. I crave different things. Like I'm a big movie guy, but I love to listen to music. I like to play the occasional video game. I love watching sports. I like to go out with my friends to the bar and have a good time where it's like some people, and I know people on my channel, they do this. It's just, it's just movies all the time. And trust me, I can talk about movies for a long time, but sometimes I'm like, you know what? Let's do something else. Let's go outside. Let's go to the mall and shop for clothes. Yes. Let's go to the beach and walk around and look at the forest. And so even with movies, then my taste change changes. And I go, like last night I was thinking to myself, I want to watch The Matrix. I have no idea why. I just want to go back and watch that original 1999 one. I don't need to constantly keep watching the new MCU stuff. Yeah. And I think in terms of the difference between 
MCU hype and Star Wars hype, uh, Last Jedi derailed it. Whereas yeah. Marvel had Infinity War and Endgame, and I'm still reading paragraphs from people on Instagram and Twitter about how Endgame was the the one moment that changed their life forever when they're yep. 14 years old. And like uh, one year was the greatest cinematic experience of my life. And it feels like they just like, it, it, they're describing it as like their wedding day or their right. birth of their first child. So, and, and I'm not trying to, to shit on these people because I've had really almost religious experiences in a movie theater before. Um, and it's just this generation's, of course, when you had this generation, star Wars force awakens was this big, I can't believe we're getting more Star Wars. Mary Sue, Mary Sue, too similar to New Hope. Regardless of those conversations, it was Star Wars again. It wasn't the prequels. It wasn't this big whole like, oh, they shit on the fan base. They ruined their childhood. Then Last Jedi came out and that was such a such a polarizing film. It was probably the most polarizing film I think I've ever seen in terms of just ripping a fan base in half. The MCU hasn't really had one of those. I know Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness is, I guess, the closest equivalent where you have probably going, since like, Dark World. Yeah, where just people are like, ah, it's not very good. But some people are like, it's the best one. It's the one that threw the most at us. It's the one that gives us the most um, twists and turns. No, I'm on the true, I'm in the but... I'm always in the I'm in the camp with that movie where it's like it's a Sam Raimi just covered in an MCU shell. And it's like it has training wheels on it, and it's just trying yeah. to break through. It's, it's all trying. This there are moments, uniqueness. there are brief moments where it breaks through, and they are glorious. And then old. Kevin yeah. Feige goes, "Nope, you're a Marvel movie." Exactly. Why do you think so many directors have left for creative differences? Yeah, yeah. So no, that's I'm, I'm I think you. the biggest difference. One hundred percent, one hundred percent, and that's to me like that's what everybody missed about the Scorsese comments because they are just so used to this idea of Marvel being movies and they're like there's so much more to movies outside of them and that's just what people don't get and they just don't understand it you know and I hate to sound like that guy because I sound like my one film professor who I hate to admit was right but he kind of is when it comes not necessarily to people's enjoyment of those movies but the fact that people think that those are kind of the end all be all for movies you know a couple more comments in the chat Anupam Dev says yo Obi-Wan Toady what's up legends Marvel movies all follow the same formula and are predictable, not as special as they used to be. I mean, that's yeah. for sure. But, like, the other thing, too, that I can say safely about the Marvel movies recently is that they haven't been getting a whole lot of critical acclaim the way that they used to. Like, like Marvel movie, the, the trick about them was that they pretty much always had almost universal acclaim with the exception of a few, you know, Iron Man 3 and the Thor The Dark World being a little bit of spotty, a little bit of spotty areas. But it's almost turned into, like, an every other movie kind of a situation. Like, Shang-Chi was well-received. I wasn't a personal big fan of that one. Eternals and Black Widow were completely almost immediately dismissed. Spider-Man was obviously universally beloved, but for a little bit of different reasons outside of the MCU. And now with Doctor Strange, it's probably, like you said, it's, it's, it's going to shape up to be a little bit of, of a divisive movie. And I think ultimately the worst part is it's going to be one of those movies that kind of drops off after a while because it, at the end of the day, doesn't fulfill on the awesome moments. And as a result, that kind of just makes it feeling average in a switch is so strange to think about like you never would think of an mcu movie like even the most you know quote-unquote average mcu movies don't didn't feel average before like that's the one thing that i never really understood like i understand the whole idea of them being a formula but like the mcu even at its worst never felt average like for to put this in perspective there are moments in thor the dark world the worst mcu movie that i would watch again over really any of the movies that have come out recently with the exception of spider-man you know like that—that's kind of the perspective that we're in right now. Yeah. 
as far as that goes and, and as kind of as far as the state of things go. But at, but in order to give people hope about the state of movies, I will say that 2022, unlike last year, being the recovery year from COVID, has actually given us so far some pretty interesting and awesome movies. And even though not all of them are like amazing and not all of them are going to make it into my my top 10 of the year at the end of the year. There are some solid ones that definitely weren't worth watching. I watched the Northman. I enjoyed that. Michael Bay's mm-hmm. ambulance was a lot of fun. Steven Soderbergh's Kimmy on HBO max was, uh, what's it called? was an absolute delight. I just farted. Don't mind that. Um, <laughs> doing it live, man. Doing you're it you're live. too honest, man. You're too honest. Doing it live. Got to, um, what's it called fresh on Hulu was a lot of fun. I missed that at Sundance unbearable weight of massive talent was so much fun. X after Yang, both two really underrated a 24 movies. Um, and then I actually just watched a movie yesterday that I missed from Sundance last year on the count of three. That was absolutely fantastic. Have you heard about this one? Uh, I haven't honestly, I've actually been recently and we'll talk about this later. I've been trying to catch up on more like Hollywood classics that I just missed. Interesting. So like Hitchcock and uh, The Great Escape and things like that. So I haven't really delved into the whole Sundance thing yet. Got it. Yeah. Well, just the fact that it's virtual just made it super easy. And like, I don't want to watch every movie that's there. I just wanted to watch a few. Like, but the problem is, I always missed the big spotlight one. Like, and it was this movie was last year's spotlight on the count of three. And then, um, this year I missed this year's spotlight, which was the Jesse Eisenberg movie when you finish saving the world. But yeah, the biggest thing for me is I'm like, man, it sucked that this movie had to come out in 2022 when they're still trying to figure out like the placement of these types of movies in a post pandemic world, because this movie would have crushed if it had come out prior to the pandemic. I think it would have opened small, but I think it would have gained like a cult following over time. Like people would have really recognized it because it's just Brandon. It's everything that we love, like about certain genres of movies. It's a buddy movie tied together with like a really surprisingly existential, like kind of quest for lack of better word that surprisingly is contained in this really, really depressing shell where you have Gerard Carmichael and Christopher Abbott who portrayed these two friends, one of whom breaks the other one out of a mental hospital only to attempt to carry out a suicide pact. And that seems like it's going to start out like a really dark place, but it ends up being this delightfully like surprisingly like um endearing like buddy bonding movie about how they kind of like relive their past and everything that's brought them to where they are now and the way that it goes down it ends in a way that you would not expect at all it's a really interesting fascinating movie i'm telling absolutely everybody that is watching this that who i'm talking to if you want something to actually watch that is just a good movie look it up it is available to rent everywhere uh annapurna just kind of did this movie dirty and dumped it at, on a avail a direct vod And it is a crying shame because it is an absolutely outstanding film, outstanding performances all around. Christopher Abbott, in my mind, deserves to win an Oscar for this. He's really the first actor that I've seen so far that I can safely say that about, even in some of my favorite other movies that have come out this year. And I also think that Carmichael's really underrated as a director because he directs this movie as well. And you wouldn't think about it, but like in my mind, Carmichael is like along the lines of like Ben Affleck and Robert Redford and these guys who like so seamlessly trains and even Jonah Hill recently with mid nineties with somebody that that transitioned so seamlessly um, from one from acting into behind the camera in a way that I was not expecting at all. Oceans review. What's going on? Happy to have you here. Uh, So yeah, so that was kind of like my movie spiel today. Obviously everything everywhere all at once, but like people are actually starting to hear about that movie. So that makes me a little bit happy that more people will actually watch that movie over time. Yeah. uh, That's, that is what multiverse of madness should have yeah, been. That, and to, I, that to me was I'm like multiverse of madness doesn't have shit on this movie. Like this, this was our multiverse movie of the year. Yeah, of course. And, of, and I said this too. I said the, the whole multiverse is 
kind of getting pretty popular in culture right now. Yeah, it's, it, it, the, the multiverse has become like like a mainstream term now. It's kind of weird. Yeah, and like I said this when people were asking me about Doctor Strange, and people were were definitely not happy that I definitely gave that movie a pretty negative review. Uh, I took my girlfriend to see it, and she hated it. That she's doesn't. Like, I would have done one anything, and she and she's okay with the Marvel movie, so she's not like a film snob or anything. And I said, you know what? For a movie called Doctor Strange: The Multiverse of Madness, number one, it's not very strange. There aren't many multiverses, and there's not much madness. So it what are they, what are they, like outside film. of the one snapshot where they go through like the the different like field? Like what what are they? It's like two, like three, maybe. Yeah, I, I feel like. In a movie called Multiverse of Madness, you have to go just balls to the wall. Let Sam Raimi go nuts. Let him go berserk. But this is an MCU movie. Yeah. And just, that's why I felt like it inventive. Just... It was the first time that I felt like the an MCU movie wasn't inventive. Which I'm not going to say that the movies before were. But, like, this did not feel like – it was the first time where it's like, wow, they have Sam Raimi here, you know? And the latest mm-hmm. in a long line of these directors that we know are capable of. This is the guy who essentially, like – perfected the formula that the mcu then kind of copied with the original spider-man movies and this is the best he could do like really like i'll say this about dr strange in my kind of review of it in hindsight because you know you always have like the post review after like the hype phase i still enjoy it but not because it's a good movie if that makes any sense in hindsight it's kind of one of those things where it is just such a thrill ride that just keeps me occupied at all times that i can't really say i hated it and the dumb moments of that movie are just so beyond dumb that they just make me laugh like the illuminati stretch the more i think about it i'm like no that's a stretch from a bad movie that's a stretch of like a schlocky <laughs> b-tier like 70s movie it is just straight up bad and are we talking about the that- star wars prequels or are we talking about <laughs> dr <laughs> I got you. I know, right? It's okay, yeah, kind of all over the place, but trust me, it's it's all going to tie together. Promise. No, no, no I, I mean, me. I mean, like those moments that are in the movie that are so bad that you can't stop laughing at them that you really enjoy it. It's like, are we talking about the Star Wars prequels? We're we're gonna get to that. Trust me, we're gonna get to that. But there's like, par- I'm sorry. there's parallels. There's yeah. parallels. But That's like what the, I'm trying the, to say. The whole Wanda Illuminati the whole Wanda Illuminati scene that should have been like way longer and way more epic and like another, mm-hmm. a, any other MCU film. But here it was just so quick. It was literal blinker. You'll miss it where it's just like, wow, hey, that's literally just him dunking on this whole connectivity thing. You know, like maybe, maybe the MCU really doesn't care about this as much as I thought originally. But before we get to the prequels discussion, I want to talk to you about a little bit of movie news. There were really only two big things that I wanted to cover. So the She-Hulk trailer dropped today. Ironically enough, just more Marvel. Ironically enough, where again, we're talking about Star Wars. And also, the Vanity Fair shoot as well happened, you know, in order to kind of highlight Lucasfilm's kind of new direction going forward in order to kind of, you know, emphasize it. They've, they're roughly, they're going to hit three years this year of Disney+. Plus, and now with two seasons of The Mandalorian, a season of Boca of Boba Fett, and a season of Bad Batch. And now with them kind of hyping Obi-Wan Kenobi as like their big, like major, like summer movie event of the year. And then obviously with the upcoming series of... Um, Cassian Andor, Mandalorian Season 3, and Ahsoka mm-hmm. Tano, which are set to all happen progressively over the next couple of months into the next year. You have all of that kind of happening around uh, this time, which I think is really fascinating. Also, I wanted to point out the only thing that I'll say about She-Hulk, because I don't want to talk too much more about Marvel, is the fact that, that that show is premiering on my birthday, which I think is really, really strange and fascinating because I think of all of the, when, when they announced all the shows initially, ironically enough, there were only two that I was really looking forward to, and that's Moon Knight and She-Hulk. And now I'm getting that literally on my birthday. So I'm like, okay, this is not going to go well. Because I'll say this right now. 
whenever there is something big that opens on my birthday month, it only ever goes one of two ways. It's either awesome or it's terrible. It's <laughs> never an in-between. I have such a long history of watching like that movie on my birthday. And there, there were some there were some stinkers in there. Let me tell you. There were there were some really, really I had a few good ones. Like I had I had the first Guardians of the Galaxy in 2014 for 17. I had the Suicide Squad last year. I had oh, what was it recently? Oh crap, there was something else. There wasn't really anything in 2019. Uh, 2018, strange enough, was is the Happy Time Murders, which is a terrible movie, but it's hilarious in hindsight. Like that's just one of those movies that you just do, that you just smoke a bunch of pot and just watch, and it's <laughs> hilarious. Oh my god, I would heavily recommend rewatching the Happy Time Murders, stoned out of your mind. But um, but yeah, so that, that that that's so that I guess that's literally my birthday present this year is She Hulk, and I'm like, okay, like this is like certainly this looks different. I'll say that like the, the all the trailers certainly look, and it certainly looks better than Miss Marvel, which I also forgot to say will be the first Marvel thing this year for ever since the first Iron Man that I will not be watching in any way, shape, or form. I've watched every single Marvel thing, and this one I'm like, I have I have to take a stand. I have to take a break. You know, I have to not do this, but. The other bit of casting news, and this I definitely want your take on. Like, I, 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 this is one of those things where I'm like, I, I don't hear a lot of movie castings that really get me excited anymore just because of the sheer amount of movie castings that have been announced rec in recent years, in the last like five to six years that I've been doing this, that I was super excited for and then just ended up being nothing. And obviously, you know, with the, with the castings that were happening for Dune 2, you know, it was a typical movie star. I'm like, oh, Austin Butler's playing Elvis. Okay, of course he's playing Faye Ralph. Oh, Florence Pugh is, you know, she's up and coming. She's, like, kind of becoming, like, the new eight star. Uh, you know, she's going to be in the new movie with Harry, Olivia Wilde movie with Harry Styles coming out later this year. She's been, she's kind of being slated as the new Black Widow after Natasha's unfortunate death. It's like, okay, that makes sense that she would be cast as Princess Hyrule. And, and it kind of seemed like the spot was sitting right there for Mads Mikkelsen. And so you can imagine my surprise when I want to say it was, like, roughly two weeks ago now. I see the news. It was I first saw it thanks to our good friend Joe, guy at the movie. So Joe, just wanted to give you a shout out there. Thank you for first bringing my attention to this. That Christopher Walken was announced yeah. as Padishah Emperor Shaddam the Fourth, kind of the big bad hanging above the big bad, right? So for obviously any people who watch the first Dune but are unfamiliar with the character who I'm talking to, the Padishah Emperor is kind of the ruler of the known universe in the Dune verse, who kind of oversaw and backed the Harkonnens in their betrayal and ultimate takedown of the Atreides in the first part of Dune, and he ends up coming in and ends up playing a part, a significant part in Dune 2 once Paul launches his um his counterattack against the Harkonnens with the help from the Fremen, as we kind of see is being built up at the end of part one. This is going to encompass the second half of the novel. And the Padishah Emperor, I will say i will say is a figure that kind of is not exactly like an emperor palpatine but it's more of like strangely enough like uh almost like a little finger from game of thrones that he's a guy that's kind of manipulating everything behind the scenes but doesn't want to get his hands dirty and i guess that's kind of why christopher walken as the casting is kind of a little bit confusing to me because Christopher Walken is not the guy that I think of when it comes to that. Like, I don't know, I love Christopher Walken. I'm super excited about this casting. I it, it blows my mind that Denny Villeneuve would cast a guy like Christopher Walken for his movies. You know, I guess that just kind of shows like the love and admiration that he has. But like, I just I needed to get your take on this because I'm still I'm still processing it and I'm still not quite sure how I feel because I feel like I should be excited, but I feel like I'm excited for the wrong reasons. If that makes any sense. Well, I'll tell you right now that I have no idea. Yeah, you probably have no idea what I was the... just talking about as far as the plot cement. That was more so for, like, the people who'd watched Dune for, like, the Darhard, yeah. diehard Dune heads. Yeah, like, I saw the newest Dune movie once. 
and I I had no idea what was happening, but I could I could follow along enough. And what I what I loved about it was that it felt very Ten Commandments like. It felt huge. It felt old Hollywood. It felt big, and it felt epic. And that's one of the reasons why I was really involved with the Batman recently this year. And someone asked me recently, it's like, what kind of movie would you like to come back? And I'm thinking like the early 90s epic, the Bravehearts, the Far and Aways, although <laughs> story's a little simple with that one. Yeah, the yeah. Dances with Wolves. Um, I haven't seen it, but my girlfriend's father is in love with it. Like the Wyatt Earps of the world. Tombstones, um, trust me, I get it. Just like the, the big epic movie titanic yeah. perfect example whereas i feel like you know with the mcu stuff and again we're talking about it so much like it feels so cookie cutter whereas dune felt like just this yeah. behemoth of a movie and i think we didn't we haven't had one of those movies since maybe lord of the rings i guess you could talk about Zack snyder's justice league but yeah but that, that was direct streaming, streaming so and i guess end game but again that was more of like a so many films led up to it yeah kind of a deal but if anything infinity war felt more epic than endgame yeah um but in terms of christopher walken i mean like i've always said this casting directors are paid a lot of money uh most of them know what they're doing of course there's going to be some blunders like people talk about sofia coppola in godfather 3 uh that's obviously just the director's daughter a whole podcast um, on that alone People have talked about um, Cameron Diaz in Gangs of New York, who, I mean, I, I don't mind too much, but I definitely see just, look, there's Mary from, there's something about Mary in a Scorsese film trying out an Irish accent. So there can be some like weird casting choices for sure. But I remember even when Robert Pattinson was cast, I'm like, interesting, the Twilight guy. But again, people didn't want Michael Keaton at first either. So... I'm thinking you were you know one what? of the doubters. You were doubters. one of the doubters. Good to know. See, I, I had complete and total faith. I had complete and total faith. I at first, and I said, "You well, you know what though? Like, I just want a good movie. I mean, we can have like there's some casting choices where I'm gonna be like scratching my head, but I'm like, you know what? They probably know what they're doing. Well, I'm gonna reserve judgment until I see the movie. Like, if someone said we're gonna make Star Wars Episode Ten starring The Rock, and I'm gonna go, oh no. <laughs> oh no oh no <laughs> but you know what i mean so hey i'm gonna reserve judgment until i see the movie i i don't have enough of an emotional attachment to dune to really say like this character would be good as being played by toby Maguire or by oh i don't know colin firth or just i'm ra naming random people or ben um, mendelson yeah Ben Mendelsohn, sure, why not? So, well, that, again, that's a that's a reference to two weeks last week last week's episode of Barry. So, okay, gotcha. Which is fantastic. Also, another great thing, people. If if you if you're worried about PTV, don't worry. Barry is back, and be, between Barry and Better Calls, Barry and Better Calls all are carrying PTV right now. Ah, uh, gotcha. Um, but before we uh, moved on, though, there was actually three things that I wanted to bring up real quick. Yes, please do. Um, so let me, about... let, me, let me just wrap up the Christopher Walken bit real quick. Yeah, I go, will go, say go. this: the only thing I'll say is, do you think that was a casting thing, or do you think like? Like, like Denny was like, seriously, like, like, do you think like Denny like wanted Christopher Walken for this part? Cause that's the thing that I'm like really tripping up. Like did Denny Villeneuve actually like think up like Christopher Walken for this part? Like that, that to me is like, that's a question I need answered on the press trail when that movie comes out next year. Sometimes the casting choices definitely feel in some movies, it feels like, 
oh, this person was cast because a certain actor or a producer really wanted them in there. Like basically anybody in the Fast and Furious franchise just felt like Vin Diesel said, I want them in here. Yeah, like um, the most recent one, they literally added three superheroes to their most recent movie. Exactly. So, so Four if you count Alan Richardson in his performance as Raphael in the Ninja Turtles movies. Ah, uh, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> um, and then you have something like Aquaman where there's Dolph Lundgren is in the movie. And I'm thinking like, yeah. you know, that, that is just, uh, <laughs> is it Justin Lin? That was that and the guy who didn't made it? Well, no, that was James Wan who did that. James no, Wan. Justin, Justin Lin strangely enough did this third Star Trek movie, which somehow was like one of the better ones of that time. Yeah. Period, which yeah. I always get those two mixed up, but yeah, James yeah. Wan, I'm thinking like James Wan just wanted random actors in it. He wanted Jason Momoa, Amber Heard, Nicole Kidman, uh, the guy who plays Django Fett, I forget his name. Oh, oh, Tamora Morrison. Yeah, I guess Boba Fett now too. Yeah, Boba Fett. Yeah. Uh, you know, Dolph Lundgren, Willem Dafoe, and Patrick Wilson. Like that is a an odd that is, group of yeah, actors. Yeah, that 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 is a really weird group of actors that you just listed off. Yeah, so it's like I I feel like that's just because James Wan's like, well, I'm making a movie about a fish man. Yeah. Screw it, just go for broke attitude. Why not? Yeah. Put Kevin Smith uh, in the I movie. Still confused. Kevin James, me. I should say. Yeah. Aquaman still confuses me as a movie, just completely. Yeah. Like, I, I have no idea what kind of the thought process is behind there. But, like, I guess it's because, like, Denny was, like, I, it felt like was so specific about the cast and wanted to work with, like, it's like, okay, I finally got the clout where I can finally, like, work with this big of a group of actors. And the fact that he was, like, for the most part, able to really well utilize all of them. I didn't really have a problem with any of the performances. And so it'll be it'll be interesting to see if he can kind of bring that same style of flair to part two, especially since this one, it feels a little bit more like stunt casting with the new additions, I guess, in order to kind of tie up my Dune thread. So three things that you wanted to bring up before we get into our Star Wars prequel conversation with the viewers of this live stream have now waited 45 minutes for us yeah. to actually start talking about them. Two, two things to wrap up the MCU conversation. Number one, can you guess what the top five MCU movies are on Rotten Tomatoes? On Rotten Tomatoes? Okay. Yeah. Critics. Okay, by critic score. Okay, hmm. Let me think about this. Okay, Endgame has got to be one of them. Yeah, that's number two. Okay, Endgame has got to be one of them. Civil War. Nope. Not okay, top, Civil War top not five. A, okay, it's probably like right outside, probably top ten. Uh, Infinity War. Nope. Oh wow. Okay. I'm surprised at how low uh, Infinity War is. That doesn't surprise me. Like I, I, I know that there are people who do have problems with that one. Uh, okay, how about the event, the first Avengers? No. Okay. Wow, this is actually really confusing me now. Um, the first Guardians of the Galaxy? Nope. Damn it. Black Panther. Black Panther's number one. Okay, so Black Panther, Endgame, Ragnarok. Ragnarok has to be up there. Ragnarok's number five. Okay, that's three. So Black Panther, I'm Ragnarok, I'm gonna do the middle Endgame. finger now because you've gotten one, two, and five. Oh, God. <laughs> no Way Home. No Way Home has to be up there. That's number three. Okay, No Way Home, and then one more. Uh, Can we give you a hint? Uh, sure. Think early. First Iron Man. Yeah. First okay. Iron Man. Okay. That, that yeah. was going to be my guess anyways. But yeah. okay. Shang, that Shang-Chi is both, number six. That doesn't surprise me. That, But that's also still recent. So you got to take recency bias into account with that one as well. Uh, but then... That, but then every single movie will have recency bias, I think. Yeah, that's Unless that's interesting. Normal. I mean, I, I guess I shouldn't be surprised by that top five because that like the fact that like like that that to me is like okay, that makes sense from like a mass popularist standpoint because a lot of I know for a fact a lot of my favorite MCU movies have either drifted out of the pop culture sphere or people do have a lot of problems with them and they don't and that's why they don't necessarily have the let's call it critical reception that 
Uh, they do. Like, I'm, uh, but I'm also a big fan of the more problematic MCU movies. Like, I love Age of Ultron and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two are both in my top ten. Like, I love those two movies. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, so, I'll have to watch Volume Two again. But um, yeah, second- talking about the oversaturation of MCU movies, I'm a big James Bond guy. Yeah, there have been 25 official James Bond films with two unofficial ones. James Bond is now 60 years old. Yes. How many MCU movies are there? Like 27, and there it started are... in 2008. Yeah, let me think here, because no, Far From Home was 23, so. 24, it's 27. Well, whatever the number yeah, is. Yeah, so it's 28. Yeah, Multiverse of Madness is 28. 28 films and how many TV shows in the span of what? 15 years? 14 years. 14, 14 years. years. You know what I mean? So Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. And like Bond, yeah, I, I mean, the, the Bond thing, that's a, that's a whole other can of worms just in general because bond has kind of like also become like a staple of cinema itself but and i guess if anything that goes into kind of you know what how no way how, how no time to die now i'm getting see and now i'm getting them confused as well how no time to die kind of um what's it called factored into like the the culture in a way like kind of had the impact mm-hmm. that it did because like it, it signified like like the end of that version of bond that felt there was something that felt very definitive in ending about that so Mm-hmm. Brandon, I've been talking about it. It was kind of the title of this video. We ended up talking a lot more about Marvel than I thought we would. I guess I shouldn't be too surprised at this point. So, but I do have um, one more thing. Yes. You know, how you're talking about things that released on your birthday. I yes. was just curious. What were some movies directly released on my birthday, July 13th? I have Legally Blonde. Okay. Inception. Oh, interesting. Hotel Transylvania 3, Summer Vacation. Eighth Grade. Ice Age Continental Drift. Skyscraper. I, I saw that in theaters. I did not see Skyscraper in theaters. Ghost. And a Bond film, The Spy Who Loved Me. Ah, that's regarded as one of the better ones. That's regarded as yeah. like one of the better Roger Moore movies, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. So just kind of a to... fun little thing to have. So it's like Legally Blonde came out the day I was born. Well, yes. The, six years later. <laughs> and now, now, now you got me wanting to look that up. So I'll, 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 how about this? I'll tell people, um, what's it called? I, I will tell people. Uh, what um what 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 movie, famous movies were released on my birthday afterwards? And I'm already seeing some good ones. But so let's bring it to it. Let's bring it to the Star Wars prequel conversation. So the reason why I kind of wanted to have this conversation and de facto have this kind of low key also be our contribution to May the Fourth, even though we didn't we're not actually airing this on May the Fourth. But this is kind of like our contribution to like the Star Wars movement this month because there just didn't seem to be like as much circulation around the Star Wars. And so kind of also in honor of Attack of the Clones officially being 20 years old, also marking Hayden Christensen's return to the Star Wars franchise for the first time in. 16 years since the last time that he play- portrayed the character in Revenge of the Sith. Brandon, have your thoughts on the prequels like so many other people's on the internet changed? Chris has been an adamant, diehard defender of these movies from the moment that I met him. I have my thoughts on them. I they, they hold a very special place in my heart, for better or for worse. Does every movie work? No. In fact, I have vehemently been against Attack of the Clones as being, as being outspoken about Attack of the Clones as being my least favorite of the prequel saga. But a strange phenomenon happened that I still have yet to prescribe a phrase to this phenomenon but it's what happens where the conversation around a certain set of movies becomes so one-sided for so long that after a certain point there's that one person that flips the switch and starts to examine it from another perspective and is like are these movies really the way that everyone says they are and all of a sudden generates this entire counter discussion i have yet to come up with a term for that phenomenon but i feel like that has definitely happened i got one okay i want to hear it save it because i want to hear it afterwards but i have definitely 
had that thought process and seen that happen around the Star Wars prequels. And I feel like also the sequel trilogy and just the reception of that as well was a big contributor to that as well. And also, obviously, you know, just the way that things are going and the way that the media landscape is going, that obviously had a big, big contribution into Star Wars shifting its focus of how it wanted to release its content. I hate that we have to refer to Star Wars as content now, but my question is... <laughs> One, what's your title for that phenomenon? And two, do you buy into that phenomenon or no? You're still in kind of the, the prequels or bad movies uh, camp. Well, I call it hipster syndrome. It's where people people are sheep. Yes. Everyone is. Even me. True. Even you. It's we true. are all sheep. Um, people like to be a part of the crowd. Yes, they do. It, we don't like to necessarily be the one outlier. For sure. However... There are people who definitely like to be on the outside looking in. And sometimes you get the contrarian syndrome as well. Whereas it, it happens too with movies that are critically acclaimed. And then once in a while, you'll, you'll get people going, I never liked it. I find that Forrest Gump has that. I find that American Beauty has that now. Some movies that have just been critically acclaimed now, it's like, well... I want to be different. Whereas the Star Wars prequels, I think it definitely is a generation thing. And this is what my take is in the Star Wars prequels. People who like the Star Wars prequels are Star Wars fans. People who don't like the Star Wars prequels are either original trilogy purists or didn't grow up with them. If you grew up with them, you like them because you have a nostalgic connection to them. Like when I grew up with them, I thought that they were awesome. And then, of course, when I started to go to film school and I started to learn more about movies and I'm like, oh, my God, the prequels are actually not good. And then the sequel trilogy comes out. And I find that definitely this happens a lot when people have this big black and white and it's the society that North Americans live in, the black and white um, lifestyle. You have Coke or Pepsi, Democrat or Republican, paper or plastic. It's one or the other. And it's either you like this, it's either great or it sucks. And when you compare it to something else, anything, it can be great or terrible. So let's say that, let's say Ant-Man, MCU again, compared to Infinity War, ah, it sucks. Worst thing ever compared to Thor The Dark World. Ant-Man is amazing. It's great. Right. I love it. It's all a matter of perception amongst it's that. Perception. Right. So, and this is what I hated. When the sequel trilogy came out, you know, Force Awakens was a big hit. Last Jedi ripped the fandom apart. Rise of Skywalker, you could tell, had no vision. And they were trying to please everybody. And it definitely felt like an assembly line production. It didn't feel like a, a story. It felt right. like trying to. And that's obviously the big the thing that people line. have always given the prequels credit for over the sequels is that the prequels, problematic as they were, still felt like the one unified vision of an auteur as a po who was trying to test the boundaries of storytelling as opposed to a kind of factory assembled, manufactured, studio produced set of perfectly yes. adequate movies that just didn't work well but, together as a continuous story. But here's my but here's my point with that though. So then what happened was, and I heard of this a lot. So are the, are the prequels uh, bad now? Well, yes. Yes. They are. It's the, Those movies have not been changed. The, the script wasn't changed. There's no been, there hasn't been any re-edits. 
you just now have a different Star Wars movie that a lot of people don't like. It's like, well, now aren't the prequels good? No. If you your opinion should be the same, you should try to judge it by itself, and it's hard to do sometimes, right? Like now, watching the Force Awakens, now knowing what happens in Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker, it feels like a big missed opportunity. And it definitely is not as good because you know what that ending is. However, then on the opposite side of it, you have to go, well, you have to just judge it as a solo movie from start to end. So with with the prequels, I like the prequels because I'm a Star Wars fan. They're bad movies. What do people talk about in the prequels? Oh, I love Darth Maul. Darth Maul's awesome. And I go, why? And people tell me, oh, because he's got a double-edged lightsaber and he's got cool face paint and he's got like a sick costume. Duel of the Fates is awesome. And I'm going, okay, so he's a cool Halloween costume. Right. He's a cool it's a well-made figure. scene. It's a well-made a scene cool... that accomplishes. Yeah. So it's like the, the heart of Star Wars, the original Star Wars. I have it on VHS right there. A farm boy is tired of his life. He longs for adventure. And he finds out that he has magical powers. And there's a call for help. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. Damsel in, the, in distress. Right. The scoundrel, the rogue. Bumbling it's, sidekicks. It's all, it literally is, is, the, is the Campbell's hero's journey personified. Good, good versus evil. That is the heroic adventure of Star Wars. The prequels are just filling in the details. Oh, we have the Jedi Council. We have Supreme Chancellor, delegates of the Senate. A tragedy has occurred. We started right here with the tragedy. Like, what am I watching here? As a Star Wars fan, I'm like, okay, I've already, I like this world because I like the ships and I like the creatures and I like these things. But let me ask you a question, Dom. Who is the main character in The Phantom Menace? Ah, uh, yeah, the the age old problem. Yeah, it's uh, it's technically Qui Gon Jinn. No, well, that's the thing. It's technically Qui Gon Jinn is a problem because the crazy part is I hear everything that you're saying, but like I have a couple of rebuttals to it. But like I understand what you're saying. But for me, it's it's Qui Gon Jinn. The problem is that so okay. Here's where I'll he doesn't change though. He doesn't though. change no, at all. No, you're one hundred percent right. So here's what I'll say. Like I'll I'll get my five seconds in about the prequels. Is that sure. they have. I think, and this is going to be a controversial take, so stick with me here. It's the visual okay. effects, I think, are the things that have aged the worst about it because just by default, like, they were so revolutionary at the time. So, But the, that's the problem with computer-generated effects. They're always going to be outdated after a certain amount of time because technology is always naturally evolving and at such a rapid rate. So that, I think, is the biggest thing that the prequels had going against it. Here is my thing. like, And this is so fascinating because this is part of so much, such a phenomenon where it's like, wow, the early to mid-2000s were such a special time period because I feel like every single one of those series, those movie giant movie franchises that we got that lasted the predominant amount of the decade, you know, Star Wars prequels, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, all those franchises that came out. And I'm like thinking, I'm like, man, if they had been made a decade or 15 years later, they would have been a TV series, you know? And it, maybe they would have better served them, maybe not. But... What I find so interesting about the prequels is that, and I, man, I hate to give Chris credit when he is due, but I think Chris was really onto something there. I think that the prequels have some incredible stuff that they're trying for. And I think that's what people kind of grasp at when they mean that it's great Star Wars, because I don't necessarily buy into the idea that it completely like fills in the gaps of what happens in the 
uh, in the new movies. I think that's just such a disservice to them completely. I think that in a strange way, they are attempting to do what they essentially they think about it. They invented the term prequel. You know, like what what was the, the I, I feel like the only real time that you had this in pop culture before these movies came out was The Godfather 2, which flashed back and forth between, you know, Michael as a sequel to part one and uh, obviously the younger version of Don Vito. But like the term prequel really wasn't a thing before in Hollywood, because pretty much at that point, franchises were made sequentially. So the fact that he wanted to go back and tell a couple for. Again, a completely different story that even though it connected to the new trilogy, it was set a significant amount of time beforehand, right? It was dealing with a completely different era. It was, for all intents and purposes, telling a completely different story in a completely different era. So that's where I'll say that there's a little bit of holes to the argument of uh, what's it called of them just kind of being filler material, for lack of a better word. What I do hear and where I do understand where you're coming from is how they don't necessarily function well as a cohesive story. 100%, like, the idea of them supposed to be, like, the origin of Anakin Skywalker's turn to the evil, that's where they don't function as well. But in a strange way, I kind of feel that, like, almost taken as, like, isolated things, they can almost work, especially given, like, how much, like, kind of, extra extraneous material that we've gotten since then in order to fill in some of the gaps. We've gotten so much more context around these characters, like things with the Clone Wars. But the thing that I'll say about the prequels is that at the end of the day, the auteuristic elements, the, you know, the, the real, the, 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 the sense that you still felt like George Lucas, like did have passion for this stuff. He was just, he was in a much different point in his life and he was just focused on a lot of different things with the franchise. He was much more interested in the types of stuff that they could do with the visual effects and not as much on the deeper elements of the story, even though they were still there. That, I think, is what drags the prequels down, ultimately. And I think that that is why people still look back on them more favorably than the, um, what's it called, than the most recent trilogy. Because aside from all the litany of problems with that trilogy, my stance on the, uh, and my stance really on people's perception of them is that I feel like people are always going to naturally be more accepting of something that feel, that was done with good intentions, even if it didn't work out as well, as opposed to something that was made with semi-malicious intentions that, for lack of better words, are so pristine on the surface, but they're just perfectly serviceable, you know? So, which one was the malicious one? The uh, the, the new ones. The ones that are made with, like, somewhat pristine. Because here, and, and here's where also, what I'll also say to, fact, to back up my argument as well is that, is that taken on their own and not as part of a trilogy, right? The sequels work fine as individual movies, you know, problem, you know, problematic as some of them are, you know, they, they each had their own individual problems, you know, but taken as individual movies, the prequels work. Uh, sorry, the sequels. Now I'm getting my terminology mixed up. The sequels work. The prequels don't work as individual movies, you know. They don't necessarily work as a great trilogy either, but they don't they definitely don't work as individual movies. You cannot go into Attack of the Clones and not know what's going on. You know, Revenge of the Sith I think does this the best. And I think Phantom Menace, the problem with Phantom Menace is there's so much exposition that happens in that movie. Phantom Menace is exposition to a T. The action sequences in that are cool, but they're so few and far between that they that the movie is ultimately dragged out of the blow of its own weight. And then Attack of the Clones, there's just too much visual stuff happening at every minute of the movie to really focus on. I think Revenge of the Sith handles the best balance between the two. But, like, cohesively, I will say that, like, the sequel movies work better, I think, as individual movies. Like, Last Jedi, I think, works as a solo movie. Rise of Skywalker works good as a solo movie. Force Awakens, to me, I think, does this the best. I think the worst thing that Force Awakens has going against it is the fact that it ends on a cliffhanger. That's the biggest thing that that movie has going against it, whereas even beforehand, Star Wars usually never ended on cliffhangers. The endings were usually always pretty definitive. Versus you have the prequels, which 
problematic as they are, they still kind of build into one another. And you still feel like you're getting like this sense of like this story that's being trying to be told about like kind of this corruption of power and kind of the fall of the golden age and kind of what we take for granted in the golden age and what kind of actually does that mean, you know, like kind of the weakness of bureaucracy. And in a strange way, I also think that Game of Thrones helped to strengthen this as well because the power of Game of Thrones in the modern day, like Game of Thrones essentially took what the prequels were already doing and made that like mainstream. All of a sudden, like what was the biggest complaint that I always heard about the prequels growing up? Oh, who cares about intergalactic politics? Now, we literally just had a movie about uh, called Dune one year ago that was one half space politics, you know? That was the thing that I that I think that people always missed about that. It's like, yeah, you know, Lucas was inspired by Flash Gordon and old television serials. That part is true, but he also read Dune and he also loved Dune and he really had like kind of he wanted to kind of put like these this um what's called this introspective look into politics and kind of like how you know and kind of help people understand like maybe the things that go into the forces that motivate you know the traditional good and evil struggle and I just think it was a matter of people just weren't ready for that you know uh yeah there's a lot to unpack there um yeah, sorry that was a lot that I just dropped there but I well I, I actually talked with this with one of my one of my buddies before and he said like don't you think that maybe in like a hundred years people are going to be looking back on the star wars prequels as just like wonderful cinema and i'm like oh i hope so it'd be an awesome yeah, time right. if that happened but i i think to just boil all of that down yeah like i, I said think, it was a lot i think the biggest difference between the original trilogy and the prequels is humanity for sure. The the original trilogy has humanity to it. It has heart. It definitely is driven more by emotion. 100%. The prequels are lacking that immensely. For where sure. Where you have... I can watch a movie where you have Emperor Palpatine setting up this crisis on Naboo in order for him to gain more political power. And of course you meet Anakin Skywalker along the way, Obi-Wan meets him, all this stuff. But these characters, none of them act like human beings. Yes. There's no fish out of water character. I guess you could say that it's Anakin because he's just a kid, but he is only met 45 minutes into the movie uh we can talk about his performance which is not good yeah but i want, if, I want if we're gonna break down the semantics yeah 100 it's like lucas's biggest weakness has always been his direction of actors and the yeah. fact that we know that like a majority of a big part of the star wars was obviously a lot of improv and like a lot of like character like interjection that the actors grafted onto them as well where that was just not at all there in the prequels and that has consistently been its biggest yeah. problem i will say that there are that there are fleeting moments that get through like obviously Ewan mcgregor's performance kind of breaks through I will actually kind of stand by Hayden Christensen, strangely enough. I think he actually does get better. I think the problem with the Anakin Skywalker thing and the thing that's kind of missing is Jake Lloyd and the fact that he Lucas does not do a good job of directing him, so you do not become endeared to him as a child, which I think kind of severs a lot of your connection and feeling for him as he gets older and becomes Darth Vader and um, what's it called. So that, 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 I think, is the biggest flaw because i mean yeah. christensen has stated that like he's trying to channel hamill but like obviously like a darker version of that like he is trying to channel like that right. fall to darkness you know and and that's the thing is i honestly think that george lucas is perfect for creating an overarching story like if you wrote down yeah. what actually happens like from episode one 
Trade Federation blocks Naboo. Jedi's come down, rescue the queen. They are stranded on this planet. Meet Anakin. All that stuff is fine. Then there's another crisis where, um, you know, the whole uh, clone army. Then there's falling in love between Anakin and Padme. But there's no heart. There's no emotion. There's no magic in it. For sure. Whereas I think, and people will get angry at me for this. I think if you had George Lucas write out the synopsis and the entire plan for the sequels and you had J.J. Abrams direct it, not write it, direct it. And then you get somebody else, maybe like a Lawrence Kasdan, anybody, maybe not the guy who wrote Rise of Skywalker because he did Batman versus Superman. Yeah. But like, you know, someone else who knows how to work on an action adventure, science fiction, fun movie um, to get the little details right. J.J. Abrams is good at directing emotion and fun action, the scope of it all. Like Rise of Skywalker is a beautiful looking movie, but having George Lucas's idea and he is the keeper of the flame. Is that what they said when they bought Star Wars? Yeah. But I honestly think that the template for a great origin story with Anakin Skywalker falling to the dark side and becoming Darth Vader, it's all there. But you can move around the tweaks of going, okay, well, do we really need Darth Maul who doesn't say anything in the first movie? Count Dooku. Who's Count Dooku? I still don't. I've seen Attack of the Clones yep. many times. I still don't I think know Count Dooku holds Count the Dooku record is. for like the villain with the biggest hype for the villain with the most hype that lasts the least amount of time collectively yeah. screen time between two movies. Then you have General Grievous in the third one where I'm like, I, I can't, I don't know anything about these characters. And then people have told me, like I, I posted on TikTok actually, and this is where I said Star Wars fans are the worst. I said, I never really thought about this before or I never really noticed this before, but in Phantom Menace, the decoy when they escape the blockade orders Padme, the actual queen to clean R2D2 to like, just do some like grunt work, like something that a janitor would do. And I'm thinking, could you imagine being a decoy for royalty and just going, yeah, clean the toilets, mop the floor. And they go, yeah, well, according to the novelization, it's just for Padme wanted to be a, a part of the Jedi. It's like, you, you kind of have to sit back and go, well, hold on a second. Let's just, Go back a little bit. Why is any of this stuff happening? Why do we have a decoy in the first place? Why are we even going down this storyline? Why do we have to have a certain backstory for the the handmaidens and the queen and their relationship? It's like this stuff is not important. Stuff that would happen on like TV is not not necessarily movies. Yeah. Whereas I'm saying like fill the movies with the vital information that you need for the movie. Don't fill it with the details and then filling right. in the story elements later with comic books and books. Right. Like that's not a way to, it's when you too... watch the first original Star Wars, you didn't need to watch the Ewok movies or watch the holiday special to get the vital information to make those movies work. Whereas in Star Wars, there's so many moments where you're like, hold on a minute, hold on, just wait a second. That doesn't make any sense. Wait, what's happening? What's happening? Because none of these characters are like fish out of water characters. So there's no real connection with it. Anakin and Obi-Wan. Yeah. Oh, well, for the prequels, yeah. Anakin and Obi-Wan. Oh, he was a good friend. 
whereas when they're going up that elevator to go up to Padme in episode two, they're talking about all those moments that they did in their training. Where, where is it? Why aren't we seeing this? We're seeing them sit down and talk and talk and talk and talk. We're being told about these things. We're being told, we're being told, we're being told. We're not being shown. We're not experiencing things with the characters for the first time. It's just the lack of humanity. Yeah, no, I get it 100%. It's a lot of things where, like I said, if it were made today, they would be made as TV shows because, like I said, Lucas wanted to pack a lot into those movies and just they were ultimately too dense. And it kind of, again, for people who say, yeah, kind of went against the idea of what Star Wars was for sure because at the time, Star Wars was kind of only existed in this one format. But if anything, what I do give the prequels credit to, and this is kind of where I'll cut the discussion, is that I'll give the prequels credit for being daring enough to try and shift our perception of storytelling at a time when it was still pretty regimented. Like I said, TV was not obviously what it is now. I think it would have, I think what probably the most fascinating thing to me would be to see if like uh, Dave Filoni had like directed or overseen like a version of the prequels as a show. And that's essentially what he did in the Clone Wars, you know, and that's kind of what makes the Clone Wars so special and so awesome and engaging. I think another thing too, like you were talking about with your sequel plan, I think that if Spielberg had directed the prequels and like I said, you had had Lawrence cast and writing those movies with George Lucas, just like somebody else at the time and knew what they were doing. I think you would have had a much, much different um, kind of reaction and different, uh, what's it called? In a different reception, and those movies would hold a much different place in the pop culture landscape. But for right now, they hold the spot where they do. But hey, they're still more well appreciated than the sequels. So that is where we will leave it. Brandon, thanks so much, man, for joining me. This is a lot of fun. I lost my voice over the course of this hour long discussion, which I guess shows <laughs> that, like, I was probably more involved with this discussion than the last couple that we have been on. Thank you once again to everybody that joined us tonight. This was a whole lot of fun. It was really, really awesome to have another live stream. Um, I might try to do some more of these from here on out. I'm not really quite sure. I'm at a weird place in the channel. I'm kind of just like doing what just works and it's, it's, it's seeming to work out ultimately. So it's been really awesome. Brandon, thanks once again for joining. Where can the good people follow you on the interwebs? Uh, they can follow me. Uh, YouTube is where you'll find most of my content, my main content, but you can find me posting sometimes on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Letterboxd. And it's all at Brando Critic. So it's all the same handle everywhere awesome and of course i also just forgot too that before i announce my plugs i gotta announce those movies that came out on august 17th my birthday and oh man not a lot of good ones so far we have to all the boys i've loved before super bad high school musical 2 little mermaid sparkle paranorman alpha the wife rat race mile 22 monty python's life of brian wild at heart a uh, lot, lot seems August seems to be a very popular spot for rom coms. Interesting, although I do, I do have super bad on my birthday. That's a little bit of a flex, I will say that. <laughs> and we will now have be adding She Hulk to that mantra. So with that being said, people, I am once again Dom the Movie Nerd of Talking TV. You can follow me with everything I've got going on at Movie Nerd Reviews across all platforms. Be sure to also follow the official Talking TV podcast, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And TikTok pages. I got to start promoting that more often too. We are very, very active across all those platforms. If you're watching us on YouTube, be sure to click the subscribe and also be sure to go subscribe to that guy if you're not here because of him already. And also be sure to go and follow us on Twitch. We've been having a lot of fun on there, a lot of success over there as well. And as always, people, once more, good night, 12 seasons in a short film, and watch more fucking movies. We'll see you guys next time. See ya.